Today's episode of Winging It on the Ringer Podcast Network is brought to you by State Farm. Just like basketball, the game of life is unpredictable. Talk to a State Farm agent and get a teammate who can help you navigate the unexpected. Vince, obviously every sport is unpredictable, but talk about how the Atlanta Hawks or really just any team in the NBA right now is pretty unpredictable. I think the NBA in itself is unpredictable. In years past, teams or fans would probably pick two, three, maybe let's say four teams and they say, oh, they're guaranteed they're going to be in the NBA Finals. So the level of unpredictability is through the roof. And I just think at any given night, a team that doesn't have a great record can surprise some of these teams who are playoff bound, who are guaranteed a playoff spot and beat them and beat them handily. So see it through and play to the end because you never know what happens. And we've been on sides where we've been up 20 points to good teams and and feel like, hey, these guys don't want to play tonight. Let's blow them out. And we get comfortable. And next thing you know, we give them life. And guess who's on the losing end? (laughs) We are. So it's just understanding how the league works and and staying in the moment at all times. Get a teammate who can help you navigate the unexpected. Talk to a State Farm agent today. Hey, Hoops fans. Want to play in a basketball game with some of today's biggest stars with Charles Barkley or Shaq as your coach? Well, Pringles and Cheez-Its are bringing you that chance with the Celebrity Crunch Classic. All you have to do is go make your winning pick for Team Cheez-It or Team Pringles at CelebrityCrunchClassic.com. No purchase necessary. Again, go vote and learn more at CelebrityCrunchClassic.com. Hello and welcome into Winging It, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm your host, Annie Finberg, as always joined by Mr. Vince Carter. VC in the house. Today we're going to start the show a little bit different than we have in the past, just so we can catch up and talk about what we've been up to over the holidays and the new year. Happy New Year, by the way, Vince. Happy New Year. Oh, it's been that long. It's been that long since we recorded. New Year's. What'd you do? How did Orlando feel right before New Year's? I got a nice tribute. There. Yeah. We come back. Right. But, I know. know. That's yeah. why I was confused because I didn't even reach out to their social team because I'm like, oh, well, we go back. But, you know, they yeah. wanted to get in front of it. I guess. Yeah, it was cool. It was cool. Uh, I mean, I mean, all, all the tributes uh, um, that I've received, you know, I try to, you know, I'm not a big social media guy as far as tweeting, but I try to, you know, make it my business to, to really show my appreciation, not only to the organization, but to the fans as well, um, because it's easy to for the organization to put out a video and you don't get an ovation. Right. You know what I'm saying? But like, they feel good to me. You know, just, well, well it's, just two, it's two different feelings, really, because it's like, I, I played in Orlando, so right. that's home. That's fans that had seen me play, and you know, and I was one of their own. And, you know, I had a feeling like um, Chicago. Right. Chicago, I got a standing O and I felt like I really had to think, did I play here real quick? <laughs> like it was that, it was that yeah. cool of a moment. Um, I, all of them really, you know, I don't want to shortchange any of them because they're all great. You know, obviously uh, the ones when, when I go to the arenas that I've played, they're going to be a little different. I think a little more special. Right. But they all have been pretty, pretty darn, pretty darn cool so far. Yeah. So we're in 2020. We talked last year, me, you, and Kent about New Year's resolutions and how y'all don't really fall for them. But did you set anything for this year? Uh, for me, it just stay healthy, stay consistent, and enjoy my my time in this business on on the court. You know, I, I still want to be in the business, obviously, obviously doing something. But those resolutions of consistency yeah, or getting happens. back to consistency instead of waiting until January one. You know, I want to kind of hit the ground running. January 1. Right. So, speaking of staying healthy, we played the Nuggets. 
I cannot remember who it was. Now it's really bothering me, but you blocked Gary Harris. Gary Harris, yeah. What was that? I mean, you're 42. I was just trying to be in the right place at the right time, making the right play. So I was on the other side of the, of the lane, and obviously my job is to be in the paint when the ball's away from us. I'm not trying to get too technical, but in my mind, I was the last line of defense. So I just wanted to kind of be in the way, be a deterrent more so than a shot blocker. Right. But um, I timed it right. So as he was on his way up, I was about to lift off and got my hand on the ball and I wasn't letting go. <laughs> and I fell and he didn't. Yeah. But I thought you had dunked because uh, honestly, I was looking at my computer and I heard everyone was, it was like, crazy oh in my there. God. I'm sitting on the floor like, uh, okay. Yeah. And you know, Ryan works. Cameron's like, Vince Carter. I was like, he had to have just dunked. What did I just yeah. miss? And I mean, it was an insane block. <laughs> no, and then you cool. got the little slide when he hit the ground. Yeah. Too. That's what I'm saying. I was you trying to slow it? down. I, didn't, I was trying to avoid hitting the cameraman. Like, right. you know, that's just a thing that happens as, as you get past that backstop of the, of the goal. Next comes the cameraman, typically. Right. So I was just like, slow down, stop. <laughs> I mean, I had marks all over the floor for my shoes. It's crazy. That was yeah. good. That was good. I, I enjoyed that moment. And you've now played in four freaking decades. So you've played- Not 40 years, everyone. Yeah. Okay. Because when I first heard this, four decades, I'm not, like, wait. I'm like, wait. Okay, he's old, but he's not played 40 years not, in the NBA. Exactly. So to clear it up- I started you were, when I was two. Right. You were drafted in 1998, so you played in the 90s. The 2000s, 2000s, 2010s, and and now now you've played in the 20s. So I played in a little bit of every decade, and so that's where the the four decades comes about. How does it feel to be the only player to have ever done that? It's crazy. You know, I'm asked the question, and I've answered it a few times, and now I'm hearing it again, and I still don't really have a go-to answer Mm -hmm. because it's just like, I I don't know how to, how do you process that? Like, that's like uncharted territory, which now we're trying to, you're seeing like, man, I'm sure it'll, it'll be broken. Or tied. I mean, I don't know how you, you're a bad man. If you can, right, if you, <laughs> you can, can break that, if you can do five decades. Like, how do you do that? You're like 60 in the league. Right. You, you know, but uh, it'll be cool to see somebody t- um, tied uh, maybe 40, 50 years. You know, let me have my moment for yeah, a little while. I think it'll but, happen. No, that'd be cool. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just great. I'm happy to, that it's over now because you heard, you heard about it leading up to it. Christmas time is like, oh man, New Year's on the way. Guess what? Yeah. So, yeah, and, and you, I don't know. I mean, for those who know me, it's just like cool moment. Yeah. How do you feel when those videos play and you hear Ryan and you hear it on the Jumbotron? For me, it's like an emotional moment. And I've only known you for how many years now, too? I mean, obviously, we do this podcast, so we're closer. But I almost like got choked up when they were playing that video. <laughs> so let me tell you, I try not to look at them. Yeah. I, I, try, I, I try my best not to look at them. Uh, well, this one, a few of them, like on the road, like when we start playing other teams, like probably Toronto, probably Jersey. Dallas, where I spent some time, Memphis, like seeing those videos, it's going to be tough. It's yeah. going to be tough. I probably won't look at them. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I can't answer that. But, um, you know, it's just a good time. And even when they showed like the in Chicago, um, I actually didn't see them all. So let me say this funny thing about it before the game, uh, right before the game started, I tend to forget about it. Yeah. Like I was, once I get on the, get on the court, like, I don't know. Like there again, those who know me know I'm, I get locked in. I make sure my family, friends, everybody or stuff that we had to go, you know, we talk about it real quick and I'm right. right back in the mode. But he stopped me and he was like, when you check in, don't rush, take your time. Like what? I got to check in the game like that fast. I forgot who said that to you? Ryan Cameron. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, take your time. Don't right. rush. I was like, what? All right, whatever. Like, you know, what? You? And that, that quickly, I was just going like, Back in, in mode. And then when I got in, I remember getting there 
And walking from there, there, I was like, man, he's still talking. All right, that's good. Thanks, man. That's enough. That's enough. But it's like I said, it's just cool. And I, I, I definitely acknowledge the crowd, but I just don't look at the jumbotron. Like I'd yeah. rather just see it later, right? And I can have my moment in my bubble, right? You know, I think that's the thing. Sometimes that video that was done for me a couple of years ago in Toronto, when they thought you were going to retire, it might have been two years ago. I might oh. be in Sacramento. Okay. And I was in my bubble, and that was my moment. And it was like. Phew, and then from then I was like, man, I'm not doing that again. <laughs> do not look at the video. And, and it's, it's tough. And it'll, it'll be, it's harder. It'll, it will be tougher to do in the cities that I've played in. Right. You know, because it's like, those are memories. Those are good times. But you're going to reflect on those good times. Obviously, are happy times. And, you know, you're like, well, <laughs> this video is being shown. Why? Because <laughs> this is my last time playing here. So yeah. when you put it all together, it's just it's tough to fight back. I don't know what the league takes into consideration when they make our schedules. But Toronto is our second to last road game. That's so crazy. Closing yeah. your entire NBA career yeah. in Toronto, basically. It's going to be insane. Yeah. I'm probably going to cry. You're probably going to cry. Yeah. But we don't know. My, my daughter's going to be there. My family, friends. Like, yeah. think about it now. It's like, oh, God. <laughs> it's going to be a tough one. Yeah. That'll be a good one, though. Pay their respects to you. I just hope I can hit the rim. You're going to dunk? That game. Just hit the rim. Oh. Shooting a shot. Make a basket. Yeah. No, just hit the rim. Oh. <laughs> we'll worry about making it later. Just hitting the rim. Okay. I think like, you can I, do that. I, 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 it's been a while since I've been nervous about a game. Mm-hmm. I've been overly excited. Need to calm down. I kind of feel like I'll be nervous that game. That one and the very last one. All these stops of my actual team that I play for. Because I played, like I said, Dallas three years, mm-hmm. Memphis three years. Obviously, Jersey five years, Toronto six years. So, these year, the, these uh, well, even Orlando because that's home. That's yeah, I spent time there, so I'll probably be nervous for all of those games. That's why it goes back to what I said in the very beginning of the season. It's going to be a, a roller coaster yeah. ride for me, so it's tough to enjoy it just because it's like I'm still trying to lock in and do my job. Right. Whether it's the second to last game, the last game of the season, like I can't not be in that mode because right. I've been in that mode for 22 years because usually at the end of the season whether our season is over or not I like to fin- finish on a high note mm-hmm. particularly now being older and you know I'm usually a free agent so I, I like to play well so right. at least the last game that they saw the old guy play he said he played well and he looks like he can still play this game and this is not this is not the same I'm going to continue to like I'm going right. to try to go crazy <laughs> go crazy go I'm off like yo slow down bro <laughs> why are you so fast we got a windmill in there or something yeah I'll, maybe, maybe i'll save it long enough save, save my legs long enough you we'll should see. we got we got to see one speaking of dunking nba all-stars coming up would you consider being in the dunk no. contest no chance no chance there's no chance. no chance you know dwight howard's gonna be in it i heard i also heard about my teammate trey young what has put it out there? Like I should. Be oh, for him, contest. yeah, he tweeted. It. I thought you were gonna say it was gonna be in the dunk contest. He can't even. Dunk. <laughs> I mean, he can't dunk, but, but you know what I mean. Sometimes it's touch and go. Care. It's touch and go. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, no disrespect, no but chance. so you you don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. You want to enjoy your last All Star break. Of course. Are you gonna go to anything? As yeah. of right now, no, I don't have any plans. I mean, I, I know it's great, and I, I and I appreciate a lot of the fans who tweeted talk about putting me and inserting me in the All Star game and. I don't know. I just keep my mouth closed when it comes to that. I just, you know, my my main concern for me, and this is just me being me, the second part of the NBA season is important to me. Right. Because it's the last time. So uh, I just want to be locked in for that. 
and do your routine, but you've been kind well, of yeah, that, yeah, the, yeah, just make sure I have enough gas in the tank, yeah, because I, I mean, I want to lay it on the line, you know, that last hurrah, play hard. We'll have to see. I'm sure they'll want you to judge it, but you might be in Ooh, Vince Carter mode. I can do it via satellite. Vince Carter checking in from the Bahamas. No, so you have your, you get your five, whoever guys, and then we're going to go to our viewer. Right. <laughs> and you're going to see a number <laughs> pop up. That's me. Shoot, that might be That'll a good be idea. Cool, I'll Switch let them know. Uh, coming up next, we have Lamar Odom on, your former teammate. Yes. Uh, the first NBA player that I f- felt like I knew because of the Kardashians. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like an unfortunate association, but. Obviously, he's a great guy. He has an unbelievable story. I can't wait to hear from him. But tell us a little bit about your relationship. Man, I, I've known him for a very, very long time, even playing like in New York at the Rucker. And once he got to, to Dallas, we uh, we were kind of the older. Um, <laughs> I can say that it's been for a while for me, but <laughs> kind of the older guys on the team, the, the, the super vets. And we talked a lot, got to know each other a lot. And even when he moved on, even after, even through his tough times, I, I, we still try to reach out and we reconnected well, it was about two or three years, maybe reconnected uh, You know, he, when I saw him here in Atlanta. Yeah. And um, it was just like old times. Um, he's going to have some stories and, you know, for you and, you know, I'll definitely chime in. But I, I tell you what, man, he's, he's a smart guy. He knows the game. I would like to see him back in the, in the NBA doing something at some point whenever he's ready, because I think he has a lot of knowledge uh, to give to a young player. Because of his championship experience, he's seen a lot, heard a lot, done a lot, accomplished a lot. And I think we tend to forget that. But I think he deserves to be on someone's team because I think he'll be like player development. Right. I think he would be awesome. Who he's played with, yeah, what he's been around, what he's accomplished, the the skillful player that he is at his his size. And his struggles because no, for sure. other on guys, other like, people can relate to that. Yeah, but like, I mean, he can, he can help them on their path to get back on the straight and narrow. Right. You know, so. Yeah. No, I think that would be great. Well, I'm so looking forward to it. I can't wait to talk to him tonight. And without further ado, please welcome Lamar Odom. And we are joined by 14-year NBA veteran, two-time NBA champion, Lamar Odom. Hey. Also known as L.O. What's up with it? He said, hey, also known as Vince's former teammate. Absolutely. Yeah, for a short time, for a yeah. short period of time. Yeah. You know what's crazy, Vince? Like, I didn't know, like, you know, when you when you play against somebody, you, like, you realize, um, you know, how athletic they are. Right, right, right. You know, but I never I never really understood how skilled you were. And I think that's a, um, a tribute to you, like, playing your 21st season. 22nd. 22nd season? Yeah. Like you can't be just hops, right? That's that's a fact. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because yeah, that's like the first thing that I just wanted to shout you out on. Appreciate it. As far as your NBA known career, for a long time. Yeah, how yeah. long have you guys known each other? Well, I mean, it's crazy. I, I was at the um at the slam dunk contest in 1999. That was my rookie year, right? So I guess that was my first time like really bumping into you. That's a long but, time. And I don't know, when I was in high school, when I was at Riverside Church, when we came yes. down to the, yeah. I told you. <laughs> yeah, I, told, yeah, I, told yeah. Her, I was like, I was down to, yeah. Yeah, so I was like, you had to be there. Yeah. It was crazy, though. That time one. flies. So exactly. since you were in high school. Yeah, I mean, Basically, I was yeah. in first high school. And then we, we have mutual friends. Right. Shout out to Jim Salmon. You know, the basketball world is really yeah. small. Yeah. yeah. Even though we're from um, two different places. And um, 
because the AAU team I played on was in Jersey. Mm-hmm. So when we played in the circuit, I played in that circuit. Yeah. Out that way. How did you get to Jersey for an AAU team? Hey. Now <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> they make it happen. <laughs> you know, it's just yeah. how, how it is sometimes. Like, well, well, team, team Florida at the time, some of the best players w- wasn't playing. You know, we are football state at the mm-hmm. time. Yeah. So a lot of the best players were playing football or doing whatever. So Tim Thomas is a name for you. Yeah. He, uh, we played at a five star, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? So that's how we kind of got together. And you know, like, hey, we'd love to have you. And next thing you know, me, Tim Thomas, Rip Hamilton, all on the and same Kobe. Team. <laughs> We're all on the same team. That's crazy. Yeah. On the same team? Yeah. In Jersey. Yeah. Tracy McGrady is your cousin, right? Yes. And we played on team floor together. I was on the older team. Yeah. He was on the younger team and didn't know it at that time. Wow. But we used to always stay. I would go there and mm-hmm. watch them play. Yeah. And vice versa. Did That's not nuts. know it until college. He was the only dude in high school that can like get with me. It's, it's crazy because when I was um I was a junior going into my senior year, I was um ranked number one in the country. So I'm ranked number one in the country, like got the extra swag. Right. <laughs> and we go to um ABCD. Mm-hmm. That's when he turned it out. And I just went like, I mean, I just went in just like, I'm, I'm the number one player in the country. Ain't nobody could, got curse right here on this? Absolutely. Can't nobody fuck with me. You know what I mean? Like, they don't have nobody to fuck with me. It's going to be a breeze. And he must have had his fangs out. <laughs> <laughs> For real. Because it's crazy because Dick Vitale had a speech that he gave. And he just kept saying, you know, y'all can't count on going pro. A lot of y'all not going to be like Lamar Odom or Khalid el And I think he just put like a, a target on my back because it was a, a player named um, Jermaine Jones. Yeah. Y'all know, right? Know, he came yeah. up to me. Played in Georgia. Yeah, he came up to me um, like during the camp. He was like, I'm going to bust your ass. But I, I gave him the business that camp. But we wound up um, becoming friends because he played on me with the, played with me on the Lakers. Right, he sure did. It's a small world though. Yeah. Yeah. Tracy McGrady, he windmilled on the kid. On James Felton, girl, bless his there's, there's, there's video. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. I'm not surprised. Go check that out. Not surprised. There's a lot of topics, a lot of things I want to cover, but I think we can start with you guys being teammates in Dallas. Obviously, that was kind of a rough period. When I was traded to Dallas, I was in a really um, tough place. One of my closest cousins just got killed. And... um. I think I was probably still grieving for my son passing away, which I never really even grieved over. I think I didn't really grieve because of the position that I held in my family. I felt like I couldn't let any of any of them see me like down and out because then how would they take it? I was just really in a messed up mental place. And I had told Mark Cuban that when he traded for me, I said, you're not really getting... You know, the Lamar Odom that, you know, used to go at dirt, getting a shell of him. And I, so it was hard for me to um to adapt with the slow start that I had. Um, I was really terribly out of shape. You know, that was the lockout year. Right, yeah. Yeah, so a lot of guys, you know, weren't at their best physically. Not in the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> that was the first time that, like, I started to, like, with this dude, like, soaking in the ice tub. <laughs> like, I didn't know what that was about. And, you know, taking ice baths, but you had to. 
with that year because the recovery time was short. Yes. Playing three games in a row sometimes. Right. And I wasn't really used to the owner damn near heckling me from the stands. I'm like, damn, dude, I thought we had this conversation before I came. So I wasn't really at my best. And I mean, it was time well spent because I got to meet dudes like him and other dudes on the team that I really got, you know, got close to. But it was just like a small phase in my life. It was crazy. I'm, I'm add to it, like, you know, knowing him, playing against him, having conversations before and after the game, even during the games. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of tell, like, for all of us, especially coming out of lockout, we'd like, we're trying to get it together <laughs> for one. And then, you know, we had conversations, which you probably don't remember, which is fine. But like, mm-hmm. we were just talking about like how he was just like, man, uh, uh, you know, he want, he, he wants to get it together, trying to get it back. And like you said, he was just going through a lot. Yeah. And I, I think off the court, our team, we had a good time still. Yeah. You know? Oh, no, and, I'm a, nah, any, any of my teammates would tell you like basketball or no basketball, you know, if, when we step out together, you know, it's us together. I'm not going to say I'm the life of the party, but I'm going to make sure everybody around me has a good time. Could just Eli. lay loose and, you know, be themselves. Yeah, just have a good time. And I, and I think that kind of helped. And, you know, there's times I mean, like, you know, we've talked uh, on the buses to games, uh, after games, on the plane, during the game, mm-hmm. you know, because, like, we kind of played uh, in the second unit together. He played, yeah. you know, it, I mean, just whatever. I, I remember telling him all the time, it's like, whatever, we, I got your back, man. Yeah. You know, we going to go down together. Like, mm-hmm. you ain't in this by yourself. I mean, yeah. obviously, because we had these conversations that he talked about that I've, you know, we've never, I've never even, you know, spoken to other people about because that was his business and he felt comfortable enough to even mention it, you know, so we just, you know, it was like, shoot, man, we ain't gonna let you go out, go out here and feel like you're by yourself. And, you know, that's why to this day, even after I left, yeah. you know, he left and then I left, Still here and there, like, you know, just reaching out to him, just, you know what I'm saying? Like, we built the bond of just like, that's just kind of how, how this business is. And like, guys who not for each other, like, you know, we look at you different because like, yeah, we're in competition, but at, I, but at any time we need each other. Professionally, I think that probably was the toughest time right. for me because I never had a problem with um, owners. I didn't really understand where it was coming from. But, but now thinking back, I, I didn't know if he was like, I mean, Mark Cuban, he ain't have no reason to be jealous of me, but I didn't know if it was the cameras because I was still shooting a reality show. And this was the first, my first time dealing with an owner that's doing interviews before the game. So I didn't really understand, you know, his approach, you know, with with dealing with me. But he, he knew that the cameras were going to be there. And, you know, I, was, I asked him, of course, to have the cameras in the locker room. He had to say, he had to approve of that. I mean, I think we both probably could have handled it better. I just wish, you know, I wish I was um, more understanding. I mean, I understand that he putting his product out and he's, he paid me well. That was hard to adjust to. Was it just you that he had this weird relationship with? Or is it is he kind of just like that? I don't know him. No, I mean, what, Mark Cuban? Yeah. Well, he said, he said well, let me, before you answer, he, he's saying like he wasn't used to the type of Ownership. Owner, owner that he yeah, is. Like, right. he is. So what I'm saying, is that him? Engaged. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I could I could rather, I would probably rather him do it conservatively through because the media. Used, yeah. You know what I mean? To be like, okay, we need LO to play better, but not on live stage. Like, like you tell he's like, when you play like Cuban, like, you know, where our bench is. In, in, cursing you know, me out on know, the first row. Of, when I'm on live stage, I was like just, front row. it was just, it was, it was hard for me just to like, Get used to that, period. Like, yeah, just humble myself down to that degree where my owner is 
at the time, I felt like he wasn't for me. Right. But of course, he is for me. But he didn't make it. And I don't, if I can remember, he didn't really like pull me to the side and just and say, Lamar, don't worry about me. That's just who I am. If he'd have gave me one of those, then maybe it would have been easier. You know what I mean? Okay, okay. Yeah, gotcha. Now I, I got you. I, I just up. know that you're into your, you know, your team winning and losing. And the way I'm playing, I'm not helping them win games. And of course, in sports, that's not one guy you want to make as your enemy. Right. It's a very powerful young man. And I just wish I could have just adapted a little bit. I wish the New York City street kid could have just came out and just wiped it off. But I mean, there was a very um, vulnerable time in my life. Do you think he was going with like the tough love aspect, like maybe trying to light a fire under you or something? I'm going to say Cuban, that's like Mark. Mark is all in for his team. And it's whether it's at a player to motivate. Like sometimes he's like, come on, man. And you'd be like, what, what? He'd be like, come on, like, you can do it. Like, yeah. like yo, chill. Like that's I'm, him. I mean, well, and if you don't know him, you're not used to that. Yeah, that can get you. Like the first year, like dealing with that, you're like, mm-hmm. bro, what's up with man? Like, but what's crazy is that I played for Pat Riley. Okay, and so when I signed with the Heat, I thought my name was motherfucker. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like motherfucker, huh? You calling me? Like it was no, because he let me know where he was coming from from the day. I met the day that I signed my name on a piece of paper. He let me know how tough it was going to be to play on that team and to um, to be led by him. I don't know. I, you know, because, you know, Donnie Nelson and Mark Cuban, they come back as extra laid back. And then so to go from that to playing bad right away, it was it was tough. But I just wish I would have handled it a little bit different. You talked about an incident that you and Mark had on the bench in your book. There's a quote you said, I can say beyond a shadow of a doubt that Vince Carter saved me from catching a charge and ending oh, my in the career locker room. Oh. in disgrace. <laughs> in the locker room. <laughs> yeah, we were playing we were playing in, in um Grizzlies. And it, it was another um bad start of a game for me to rev me up. He nudged me, but he did it with his foot. So he kinda like just Come on, man, let's go, let's go. Yeah, in my just, shin. And I was just like Mind you, I'm sitting like yeah, he's sitting right like there. right, right next to me. He's sitting there, <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. sitting right there. And I just like, I mean, just so much went through my head. Like, I'm a young black man. You just, I mean, I, you know, I'd rather you just, I don't know. I just think he could have handled that a little differently. Yeah. You know, I, I respect him. I mean, he's a great businessman. I just think that was the wrong move. And I would probably was like two seconds off his ass. They, it probably would have been like a Latrell Sprewell moment like my career probably would have been like no nobody would have probably would have wanted to deal with me after what I was thinking about doing to him what did you see Vince and like how did this go down you know because it was so so, I think it was probably built up from how he was treating me so I'm thinking like damn would he do that to JK would he have did that to Dirk probably not and and the thing about it is it what caught him off guard I, I remember vividly is like when it happened you know, you know, sometimes when you're like, I can't believe it happened. So let me just see somebody's <laughs> face for yeah. confirmation. Yeah. And it's like, and my face was like, oh. So just to close the loop on the story, he nudges you with his foot and your leg. You see Lamar react and maybe about to do something. And what do you do, Vince? Well, I was just kind of sitting there, you know, whatever, whatever. And, you know, he said what he had to say back, like, basically, have you lost your mind? Are you serious? Don't put your feet on, you know, like how it is. And, you know, they're going back and forth saying they're, you know, displeasures, and then all of a sudden he went from 
six one to six ten. Like, yeah, I mean, I mean she's like he stood up. And he, I was like, all right, you, that's when we, you know. Well, just think about it like this, Vince. If you were playing, let's say with Tim Thomas, right? He was a big dude, strong right. dude, right? And he was having a bad game, and this is your friend, and you having a bad game. He's like, yo, Vince, come on, and kicks you. You'd be like. You wild. The fuck are you doing, dog? <laughs> right, like, right, 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 right. Not that. I'd rather yeah. him be like, yo, come on, yeah, man. Like, yeah, you know yeah, what I'm yeah. saying? Like, push my shoulder yeah. or whatever. Yeah. I just thought it was erratic, but I forgave him. And, you know, I hope he could forgive me for sharing that story. But, you know, sometimes I, I, I don't want to um, hurt anything that he's built or hurt any relationship with any of the players that he has now or for for them to look at him different. Right. I'm going to add to this. I don't know if you remember, you know, right after this. So, you know, whatever is all is done. It came out the next day that L.O. and Dirt got into a fight at halftime. So that's what kind of smoothed it out later on because, like, we flew back, ha, ha, ha about it. You know, it was done. What was done is done. But then it was like people start, the whispers talking about, like, he and Dirt got into it. Like, all right, you know, so we can laugh about it. And it was easier to move on helped everything instead of it coming out as the two of them obviously going to come to him and try to pit the two together so I think at the end of the day it worked out by people not knowing what was up Vince basically saved Mark Cuban for getting fucked up that day I mean if you want to just keep it all he was like hello chill man man, it ain't worth it not that one not not him (laughs) but you like this you know like any big brother would do at that time We'll backtrack really quick. We'll go back to your time with the Lakers. I'm sure those were some of the glory years for you. Obviously, two championships. Humbling to those times with the Lakers. They were, it was, you know, humbled myself, you know, to win a championship. What about that first time? Like when you going through the playoffs, what year was the first one? 2009. So you're in the finals and you know, I mean, you got that squad, y'all playing lights out yeah i'm sure i already know y'all felt mm-hmm. like there's nobody that can beat y'all not a, at that point i knew nobody was gonna beat us because and this is why i like to see um i think the white howard and his um professional journey is coming a long way and i really mean it's because i remember the, the the before the first game he was like joking around with andrew bynum i don't and he probably don't remember it but you know i can remember it and at this time, I'm thinking he probably going to be like, man, and get out of my way. I'm dunking on you. I'm blocking your shot. I need that. Get out of here. And he was joking around with Andrew Bynum. And so when I seen it, I was like, you know, we got the Mamba on our team. Like, they don't have, they don't stand a chance. So when I see him now, like, so focused, willing to do anything to win basketball games, come off the bench, block shots, rebound, knock you over, dunking off the rebound. You don't got to give me the ball first. Give me the scraps. I'm like, okay, I, I think he gets it. And um, I, if he keeps playing like that, I think he's probably one of the reasons why I favor the Lakers to win a championship. I mean, because they got, I mean, they got everything. The way LeBron is playing right now, you got AD playing. Out of this, you got out of this three world, so. rim protectors. You got three rim protectors. So you're gonna have to beat them from the outside. Which really doesn't happen a lot unless you you know Golden State Warriors the old Golden State Warriors how do you compare that Lakers team the first year that you won either this year's Lakers team or other kind of super teams in the past I know I know we had a special team I mean a special player in pal the triangle offense is really intricate it's not easy to get right 
And I remember the first game that I played with Pau Gasol, I felt like I played with him like I've been playing with him because he's one of the only players that you could put in the in, in the post, give it to him, and then he turns into the point guard. And he see everything. From the post. So really, it's perfect. he was perfect fit for the triangle offense because we just started off dumping it to him, and then he just hitting all the cutters. Uh, and then got you so off balance because he's hitting the cutter here, hitting the cutter there. Fake one, then he going to take jump hook. Or the fade away. <laughs> and then left, right. Right. Fade away. I knew Powell was for real because I could remember him always, you know, playing against Kevin Garnett and them going like neck to neck every time. And, and Kevin Garnett is one of the players I've always been impressed with the most in the NBA. You know, his his um his his engine and his knowledge of the game is incredible. His commitment to defense and his commitment to, you know, shutting his man down and going at him. I think it was the first year. So th- 2008, February 5th, 2008 was his first game as a Laker. So we won the championship in 2009. 2008, 2009. Yeah, right. so. So that's the first year. That's the, his first year, right? No, his the first, <laughs> year, his so first year, 2008 finals against the Boston Celtics. So he played in that. Oh, no. Oh, he played. No, so he played. Right. Okay, yeah. So he yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, but so the same thing. Because yeah. Yeah. we got the same result. With him in that short period of time, he like put us over the the hump, and this was before all the um the super teams were um put together. I mean, at at that time with me, Powell, and I think at that time we lost to Boston. I think me, Powell, and Kobe were like the go to, and then we added Andrew with Powell down low, and that kind of like just made us bigger and stronger down low. Did you play small forward then? Yeah, and that just kind of like put us over the hump. Of all your years in the NBA, were the Laker years, were those some of the best memories you have? That's when I won the most. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? When I when I got when I was drafted by the Clippers, they had a wild team back then. Yeah. That Clipper team. At bro, that, I remember. At that point in my career, that's when I, you know, just was able to roll the ball out and play. Tyrone Nesby. Yeah, but I think because of the way I played and how unconventional it was for a guy my size to be able to Handled the ball like I would probably say like a point guard at that time, and you know to be six nine, six ten, and they had too many of them. Yeah, was used to it outside of Magic, obviously. Yeah, maybe you know, besides Magic, that, but but I kind of came with my New York playground style of play at that size. I don't think it's probably. I don't want to big myself up, but I don't really think it's at that it time. It was many, never really. It wasn't too many guys who like Tim Thomas had it. He didn't use it like yeah. he didn't get to use it like yeah. you did. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like. I mean, there were times I, I played the point guard position and I started at point guard, even when I was with Darius Miles and Quentin Richardson. Like, just imagine, like. That's crazy. Yeah, there were some games I started at point guard. I mm. think, matter of fact, I think the game where you had that. I think I might have started at the point guard that game. Um, Unreal. I, didn't, didn't you dunk on all the candy that game, too? I mean, you know. <laughs> 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 yeah, but I mean, I don't I don't really think people were like really used to seeing a, a basketball player play the way that I played. So he was like what Ben Simmons is right. doing now yeah. before yeah. obviously Ben I Simmons shoot as far it, as know, like I could shoot it from deep. Yeah. I just I mean I was blessed really. If I would have put the effort to being good or or being great and you know, not letting my disease of addiction get in my way, 
I, there's no doubt in my mind. I, you know, I probably felt short because I would say falling short, not making the Hall of Fame is probably falling short for me for how talented I was. I'm really just lucky enough to, you know, be here. Even though that, you know, that, that day that I fell into a coma, I didn't do drugs that night. So I heard you talk about that in an interview that you didn't do drugs the night that you went into a coma. How yeah. how do you, your doctors think that that happened? I don't know if I don't know if they were slipped it to me or slipped it to me intravenously, but I swear to God I didn't do drugs that night. So you could imagine for me, extra confusing, not knowing how you got there. It was hurtful. Thinking to myself, you know, why would this man do that to me? And when I woke up, I couldn't walk or talk. So, you know, a lot of the, you know, a lot of ball players, you know, when I seen Vince, oh, what's up? It's love. I mean, because they, they know where my heart is at and they know the type of dude I'm, that I am. And so, you know, when, when dudes show me love, I, I know where it's coming from. It's genuine. But I mean, I, I didn't do drugs that night. So, I, you know, I could have, I could be bitter behind it and say, you know, why did that have, have to happen to me? But I mean, you know. Every loss is not a loss. You could take the L as a lesson. My lesson to that was like, don't go, to, don't hang out in brothels. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, right. surround yourself with good people at all times. And I, I guess that's what I'm trying to do now. Do you think that, because I've obviously followed your journey quite a bit, mm-hmm. that maybe you wouldn't have gotten sober, you wouldn't have gotten the help that you needed to get if that night hadn't happened? I mean, it's probably no saying, but I, I probably wouldn't have because I, the only way I knew how to deal with any pain or, you know, aggravation I was going through in my life was, you know, just to get high, smoke some weed, you know, do something else. And, you know, so I, so I think I learned my lessons on how to, you know, meditate and pray and ask God for help. And, you know, my grandmother used to always say, you know, you are the company that you keep. And I think at, you know, 40 years old, I'm just understanding and realizing what she was saying to me. She was, um, you know, a woman of, of a few words, but when she said something, she meant it. Um, she walked and handled herself gracefully. And I think um, a lot of that, a lot of my mother's grace and and my grandmother's grace, I've been blessed with uh, just from dealing with people. Being 6'10 and standing out all the time, I remember my grandmother saying to me, you're going to be tall, I think, all your life. So people are just going to always <laughs> come up to you and ask you, you know, stupid questions or actually just questions in general. And I think um I think they blessed with me blessed me with their grace. So I'm fortunate enough to have that. And Vince, as a friend of Lamar's and I don't want to get to anything too emotional, but I'm sure you remember when that happened. What was that kind of like for you and how did you reach out to Lamar and how have you kind of had that relationship? You know, since? It's, it's 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 like timing, you know, you know, when when you when you see your friend go through something like that, you know, like just like all of people that are close to him all reach out at the same time. So mm-hmm. it's timing, you right. know, it's like, you know, I wanted to make sure I, I sent whenever he, he, he came back to us. I wanted to make sure when he looked at his phone, you know, we thank you about you. We support you. We're behind you regardless. And, and, you know, on your road to recovery and getting back to the person we know you can be. Like I said, you reach out to him. Like he's a busy man. He had a lot going on, likewise. But it's like every now and then I'm saying, man, let me hit my guy up, man. Just see what's going on. And it was cool. You know, I'll tell you. So he's he was at the game in Atlanta mm-hmm. during the game. I'm sitting on the end of the bench. The game's going on. Yeah, he made he made me feel like I go see him. Mm-hmm. He made you know me feel like, like we just left the locker room in Dallas. You know what I'm saying? But that's so. when you know you got a, a friend. 
when you you know you miss time and you can just pick up pick up like you was just with each other yesterday. And you know I, I felt and you know you know how I am about you know my my people my friends so I felt like it was important. You know, like I say, we play this game, we love this game, but it's no, nothing bigger than friendship and people you support. And that was kind of my moment. You know, we, I was talking, you know, I talk about being in that bubble. That's when I stepped in that bubble and to reach out to my friend, regardless of what was going on, <laughs> what was going court. on on the court. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, it, it'll be there. Right. But like, I haven't seen him in a while. And it was like, nah, man, like show my love and support. And after the game, we sitting in the hallway. Topping it up mm-hmm. to pick up, pick back where, up where we left off, and just to keep up, you know, keep in touch, and you know, and just kind of catch up to what you know what's going on. I mean, one and of the here one, we are. One of the most hurtful parts about that night is that you know, I think about like the way I played and all my you know my skill level. I'm like, if that didn't happen, I probably could still be playing. <laughs> you know what I mean, and so that's true. I, I realized in today's game, yeah. oh yeah, oh man, I realized how much I love the game, um, how much I want to be around it, and 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 soak it up as much as possible. Um, all 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 that time, I missed the game from you know from making the wrong decisions off the court. I wish I had all that back now. You know what I mean? But you got to learn to live with regrets. I, and from, you know, from going through what I went through, I think, gosh, I'm going to give you back life. But I got to have, I got to get something in, in return. You know what I mean? So, like, just recently I gave myself to Christ. I got saved. But I, I think he's like, I think he took some of my natural ability away. You know, put on the floor. It's like they don't bounce up the same. Right, right, right. I can't go between my legs and go around my back the same. Right, right. Um, but like I said before, you all the company that you keep. You got to um, surround yourself that uh, with people that want to see you the best. He blessed you with that. Ain't yeah, you? the best you come out. I know there's a lot of people who see substance abuse as, you know, something that's weird or wrong or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I've been, you know, like trying to do as much public speaking as I can. I spoke at a, a rehab in Miami, and it's crazy because uh, the last time that I was in a, um, a rehabilitation center, I learned, I think, the most important part about myself was is that, you know, addiction is a disease. So it's just like you wouldn't wake up one day and say, oh, I wish I could cancer. <laughs> you know what I mean? No one says that. And when you're dealing with that disease, un- unless you get the right medicine to treat that disease, that disease could like overcome your rational mind of thinking. If someone's listening who is struggling with addiction or has family or mental health, what advice would you give to them of how to kind of carry that and handle that? Well, I mean, don't be ashamed that you have that disease. And, you know, if you put family and God first, then you can overcome anything. And I think I'm a prime example of that. When you're beaten down, just getting up, asking God to guide you, you know? And I think there's a lot of people who who gonna hear this? I mean, for you know, they had the toughest part is understand accepting it, yeah, and figuring out a way to fix the problem. Yeah, because like like you say, like yeah. you said before, it's like until you realize you have that problem, mm-hmm. you don't know. Now you don't, you know, or you fight the fact that you know, but you don't want to fix the problem. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So because I, it's that's not easy to admit, right? That you're quote unquote cokehead. That you prefer drugs. 
Yeah, there's there's just such a stigma today that I think it's so important that people like you are speaking yeah. out and normalizing it because it's normal. It's you know it's a disease that people have. So and understand that people you know of a celebrity stature have the problem and can fix it. Yeah. So like if they can do it. Why can't you? Right. Yeah. You know, don't feel ashamed. Like you said, the biggest mm-hmm. thing is like not feel ashamed, yeah. like want help. Yeah. Like there's people who are in, you know, on your platform yeah. or whatever, or other people who has admitted it, handled it, mm-hmm. and now live a great life. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So like, you know, it's, and it's obviously it's easier said than done. Like we can sit here and talk about it, pet rally about it all, all we want. But like, I think for people to hear the conversation often about don't be afraid to admit it. Yeah, and I think just following your journey and your story, seeing what you've been through and what your body's gone through is just a testament to what your faith can do and what treatment can do. <sighs> Shit, I mean, when I woke up, I couldn't walk or talk. Couldn't hold my bowels. You know, understand how humbling that is for 610 Laker <laughs> to be in a hospital and you can't hold your bowels? I guess I'm here for a reason. Maybe I'm here for to give testimony just to tell my story. And if it helps somebody, if it helps one person, you're going to help somebody. Yeah. Believe it. Believe it. So what does the future look like for you? Obviously, you're getting married to your beautiful fiance who's here, but. Hopefully one day I'll get married. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you put a ring on it. So I'm trying to, you know, change the narrative a little bit and just like slow it all down and really focus on, you know, what are things that will become very damaging later on if we don't address them now. So um, just working through those things before we start planning is like, it makes me feel most comfortable because in my previous marriage, I rushed, you know, I rushed it and I think he did too. <laughs> oh, you're raising your hand, <laughs> you know? And then, but then when I really thought about why, you know, like, why did I rush it? It really made me this time realize like there's no point of rushing it because if you love them now, you'll love them then, you know, like so being get it right now. Yeah. You know, and a pastor told me back then while I was in the process of rushing it, he was like, you know, just pray about it for two months straight. Just pray solely on getting married. And instead of me like praying without planning, I was like praying while planning. And then two months I was like, okay, it's happening. You know, so um, just really listening to my spirit more. So with Lamar, you know, we have a lot of great things, you know, a lot of commonalities that I think work for both of us, you know, being athletes, being passionate about sports. You know, I am bipolar opposite of him when it comes to personality. Like he's more passive aggressive. I'm extremely aggressive, you know, so he needs to find a balance. I need to find a balance. But like, how do you do that? You know, there's no guide to being married. Right. You know, like there isn't an instruction book. So we're learning, like we're really learning how to be the best partner for each other. And when you start the work, you're like, wow, this is a lot, you know? So I'd rather do that now than like later. And then you just feel frustrated or you don't have the skills. Um, going through the premarital and like allowing them to say like, oh, you're ready for this step. Or I think we should scale it back. Like being able to just... um Listen to them is what we're doing, you know, Lamar. And I'm like, Lamar, we're, we'll be fine. You know, we don't need to do it today. Today, we probably need to work on this thing that can become big tomorrow. So um, I'm looking for like 2021, 
And then also, I'm not planning. <laughs> <laughs> He's, He's like, cringing. <laughs> I know. He only feels that way because, I mean, I, did you tell them what we were like, not I, doing? Yeah, I love to have sex. <laughs> it's hard to wake up in the morning, of course. You know what I'm saying? Like hard to go to the bar. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. <laughs> and it's like, I'm not, it's, it's crazy because I know like any girl that ever dealt with me, they like, they lying. No, he's really doing it. He's not like holding me down, raping me. <laughs> nah, I mean, it's, it's, um. Your next challenge. Yeah. It's a test. Did you talk about why we made that decision? Why you made that decision? No, I what? didn't make that decision. Pastor. Oh put it yeah, in the your... pastor told See, us. You trying to put everything on? Nah, the pastor told us that it wouldn't be a good idea for us to, you know, have sex while we're not married. And it's crazy. I'm like, damn, he'd have told her. He told her that like right when it was my birthday. Like <laughs> Vince's face right now. Yeah, I'm not like. Vince's like, oh my god. No, I know. No, it's like, but he probably can't believe. He, you know, it's a big sacrifice. I'm still a man. But I mean, it's tough. So that's the reason why you want to rush to get married, though, so you can have sex without guilt? Probably, I would say probably one of them. That's honest. I'm trying to be more transparent in life. Because we were having sex before, so it's not like we've never had sex. Yeah. But even while we were having sex, you were still trying to rush and get married. I don't know. I guess when you feel like you found the right thing, you want to just make it all the way right. I never pressed the issue of, you know, abstinence with Lamar just because before he got saved and just, I just think, I didn't think he would understand it. I think it would, it was going to create a sense of insecurity for him. Like maybe she doesn't like me or, you know, whatever. So I never pushed the issue. So when our pastor brought it up, I was like, great, we could talk about it now. But for me as a woman, just being honest, like Lamar has been with a lot of women, you know, so and him being with so many women has, like he said, destroyed a lot of relationships. So I need to feel confident and secure in that area in our relationship. Like, how is this different for you? What's going to be different? You know, like, what are you willing to sacrifice to have this relationship? You know, if I'm just giving you everything you desire before marriage, what's going to be left when we get married? You know, and I'm old school, so I feel like women are the prize. You should honor them. You know, back in the day, men worked very hard for women. <laughs> it's a little, it's changed. It sure has. Women are working very hard for men. <laughs> so, and and now that may work for someone, but like for me, I genuinely desire someone to seek me, you know, and show me what that looks like. So it's very interesting when we remove sex, the things you replace it with, you know, and you experience real intimacy, which you don't really experience if you're just having sex all the time. Um, and just how you have to get creative when you're in moments where you just really want to have sex. You have to do other things, you know, and to really have joy when you're not having sex says a lot about the substance of your relationship. So it gives me security to know like, well, he's still with me and we're not having sex, you know, and to my knowledge, he's not cheating. And I have a lot of knowledge in that. So if it ever came out, I'd be like, okay, it will make sense, but it will also show that he's not ready for that sacrifice yet. But so far, so good, you know? So I have to sacrifice a lot for Lamar because I'm not perfect. And there are ways that I have that are damaging to him, you know? So if I can scale it back and our our marriage will be really honored and successful that way. So you guys are filming a TV show. Is that right? Yes. Can you talk about it? Can you give us more information? If not, we'll come back for it. 
another time. Well, I mean, I think it's just going to be, you know, just us being us, just loving each other and showing the world. And, you know, we both have entrepreneurial goals and just sharing it with the world. Lamar, Lamar mentioned, right. <laughs> but I also think that'll be say? that'll be cool for people to see, you know, um, you know, who going through that this abstinence and you know, seeing how or giving couples other options to yeah. to kind of work through that. And obviously, as you guys go through and people see it, you may get other options and different mm-hmm. things to think about to go through as you you know, work towards that wedding day. And, yeah. You know, the, the day you're looking for it. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just saying, so I, I just feel like that. I mean, you know, the TV show, if that's something you guys are up for, for doing, I mean, that's, that's going to be great. And, it, you know, obviously it can help and hurt, but I think that'll help to, to see where you guys are. Yeah. The bond that you guys are creating now. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. The thing is cool. like, a lot of people just don't know me. That was fine before he exposed to the world who I was. But then it's, you know, media is rough, <laughs> you know, and because they don't know me, they create an image of who I am, you know. And so their show will get to explain who I am, you know, to him outside of him and why it works and the areas where it doesn't work. We're very transparent about that, you know, and those are the areas we're working on. But you guys are a good pair. You were like so opposite, but it, it works well yeah, together. Well, that's how we connected right. through basketball. And it was really like, he came to me like, oh, I'm in the big three and I need to get in shape. And could you help me? This is what I was looking for. And I'm like, oh, well, I'm a trainer. And my whole circle of people are trainers and have facilities. So mm-hmm. whenever you're ready, call me. And he called and we went to the gym. And, you know, I set him up with... um chiropractor because he was complaining about some issues he was having in his back and a relief therapist and like three basketball coaches and a gym like the whole nine and like you know if this is what you want to do you gotta wake up every day you gotta be ready and you know it's gonna be hard work so that's just kind of how we connected I just don't think people like they miss that whole as they were supposed to it wasn't their business but they don't know that aspect of the relationship and just how like we motivate one another Hey Hoops fans, want to play in a basketball game with some of today's biggest stars with Charles Barkley or Shaq as your coach? Well, Pringles and Cheez-It are bringing you the chance with the Celebrity Crunch Classic. All you have to do is make your winning pick to Team Cheez-It or Team Pringles at CelebrityCrunchClassic.com. You'll be entered into the Make Winning Snack Pick Sweepstakes, which gives you a chance to win not only a trip to the game in Atlanta with a guest, but also to play in this game of unreal basketball shoulder-to-shoulder with celebs. And guess what? I'll be there, too. So, Vince, we have to choose if you want Team Cheez-It or Team Pringles to win. I'm going for the Pringles because I'm a Pringles guy. I am also going to pick Team Pringles because your girl likes to eat some Pringles. <laughs> I swear, the Pringles in the hotels yeah. are always on point. Tell me, would you pick Team Shaq or Team Barkley? Well, uh, Shaq's my, my my neighbor, so I have to I have to go with my neighbor. And just to balance things out, I'll go with Team Barkley. Pringles versus Cheez-It. Pick a side, stock up, and go for the win. No purchase necessary. Again, vote and learn more at CelebrityCrunchClassic.com. Pringles versus Cheez-It. Pick a side, stock up, and go for the win. Welcome to the 
leagues. We have a segment called Welcome to the League where our guest tells us when you realized you really made it to the league, whether we like to hear two moments. So when you got embarrassed for the first time, dunked on, blocked, whatever, but also your moment where you made your first basket or you scored your first points and kind of what that felt well, like. That for moment you. where you were out there like, yo, I'm really here now. Oh, <laughs> I think it was two of them. I think the first one was hearing, um, God bless the dead, but David Stern called my name. Uh, you know, for me being really, really young and understanding who the commissioner is. Right. And I can still kind of like hear his voice now. You know what I'm saying? And with the fourth pick in the 1999 NBA draft, the Clippers select Lamar Odom. So I, I would think that would be the, the the first one. And I think the second one was, I'll give you a quick story. So there was a booster from UNLV, and uh, his name was Roger Peltman. He owned a steel company. And he said, hey, Lamar, come here. I got these um these blueprints I want to show you. He said, it's a building. They're calling it the Staples Center. And then, of course, I get drafted by the LA Clippers. They're playing in this new building called right, right. the Staples Center. Mm-hmm. The Clippers, we opened up the first game of the Staples Center ever. I had like 30 points. I think that's like top five for incoming rookies ever to have 30 their first game. I would say... That was my um my, oh shit like I mean the NBA is real. What about your most embarrassing? Oh, uh, <laughs> rookie season we lost twenty games in a row. You talk about the Clippers back in the day at that time. Yeah, by the average of twenty. So that means days <laughs> like we average getting blown out every night. That was twenty games straight. <laughs> no, <laughs> twenty games straight. But you know, at, at, to come to work. at, at this point, <laughs> at, at at that point, you know, the, the Clippers had a bad um, aura around them. But they had like they, athletes, they, though. Yeah, their time. their owner was like the opposite of Mark Cuban. <laughs> yeah. Like it was just maybe like a tax write off. He didn't really care. He wasn't paying anybody. We were losing. He would never yeah. pay nobody. I so I remember Maurice Taylor and Derek Anderson. Like during the, the trade deadline, we were on the bus in New York. They wouldn't get off. They wouldn't get off the bus. Like they was like, nah, we I gotta get traded now. <laughs> like besides myself, those are like the two best players on the team. Show me y'all not gonna go out. So they don't get traded. So imagine us going to play the Knicks that night. <laughs> Which Back is then, we, yeah. at that time. Yeah. I wish I knew how to handle um an owner that had the passion. Like Mark Cuban did, you know what I'm saying? At that time, I just wish I See, was. That's why he said that because right. yeah, just he just he just like and then he's saying nigga, you know what I'm saying? The owner for the Clippers, right? That's what got him in trouble, right? Yeah, amongst some other things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so like when I'm thinking about it, I just realized that I was I wish I was a big enough man at the time to handle the situation with Mark Cuban differently and not take it to the heart. Before we go ahead and close, you guys were obviously, like you had mentioned, both drafted by David Stern. You both shook his hand on the mm-hmm. stage. Vince, do you have a message, kind of a prayers for his family and everyone? I mean, for sure, life? prayers to his family. And 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 kind of like what LL said, as far as like, you know, we all work like hell to try to get to the NBA because that was a dream of ours. Mm-hmm. And not only putting on the jersey, but 
to walk on the stage and shake David Stern's hand yeah, was that official. Was, yeah. That's 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 official. That's when you know like I'm here. Like, yeah. you know, I, okay, we don't know how training camp goes. We don't know mm-hmm. if you're going to start play 10 minutes. You've you've shaken that man's hand. Mm-hmm. This I mean, you know, every I'm, year there's going to be at least 14 guys, well, a, well, first round pick, but like that lottery pick and obviously the first 30 or whatever, but yeah, every I don't, year. I don't think his his um his legacy and his stamp that he had on the NBA would ever be forgotten. No, absolutely not. Hopefully he'll have some arenas and even maybe some trophies named after him. You know, he 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 ruled with the iron fist as he should, but he also showed a lot of love, compassion at the same time, and hopefully that's what he's remembered for the most. Yeah, and you know, he always gave people a fair shot. I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But he also wants you to understand, yeah. I am the commissioner, <laughs> yeah. and you respected that. Like, I mean, you know, that's that's what it is, and mm-hmm. you know, because that's why, like, that was one of my dreams. So walking on the stage, and then for my my two things, you know, dream of mine is like walking on the stage, obviously shake his hand, and then to to receive the dunk contest trophy yeah. for him. That was kind of oh, like yeah, my yeah, two yeah, dreams yeah. at night. So when that happened, I was like. <laughs> Yeah. Right, we good. You in here now, right? You know, so now it was it was a pretty cool moment. So and just talking to him, like I said, he he was approachable. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like you know he's untouchable. He was approachable. Mm-hmm. You know, he obviously he worked for the owners, but he like I said, he gave everybody a fair shot. But you know, I mean, yeah, he's gonna still do it this way. But yeah, you know, I hear you. you probably speak up. hard for a dude in his position to be a um, a people person uh, the way he was. Yeah, the league would definitely not be where it's at today. Or oh, no. even ex- I mean, I don't know if we could say existing, but it would not be where it's at today without everything that he did for the NBA and its players. And he, I mean, he he took the game globally. Yeah. Like, Cause it's, like it's, you said, you were playing in Spain. Yeah, it's forever growing. When you were playing in high school, did you ever think you played ball in Spain? Nah. Like, never. Uh-uh. Never. You know, so. It's, it's forever just, growing. And, you know, yeah. basketball, I would, I would probably think that basketball, if I could think about ESPN highlights, I would say probably the number one sport in America. I think about when, like, growing up, only time I got to really see Michael Jordan if he was playing against the Knicks <laughs> or Saturday on Channel 4, you know, NBC. Right. But if you think about where it's at now, it's crazy. Yeah, streaming. It's crazy. Anywhere. Yeah. I would say David Stern probably had his hands in all of that. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time. Obviously, your lovely fiance. Thank you so much for joining us, Sabrina. Thank you. And we'll talk to you next time. We out. All right. Thank you. Mm